Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington on this live broadcast from Studio 14. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Tuesday, February 14, 2023. South Sudan's Vice President, James Waniga, encourages the business community in the country to use e-commerce for trading. We must think internationally in, in South Sudan. You in your small factory or even in your small shop try to have internet to facilitate your work. And two diplomats in Juba say the media is under siege in the country. The United States calls upon the revitalized transitional government of national unity to allow journalists to work without fear of harassment, detention, or violence. Journalists must be free and empowered to fulfill this essential function. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The third annual Made in South Sudan exhibition kicked off in Juba today at Nyakuron Cultural Center. South Sudan's Vice President James Waniga says traders should embrace e-commerce to mitigate challenges and attract online customers. Juliana Shiapai was at the exhibition and has this report for VOA from Juba. 52 exhibitors are showing off their wires in this year's Made in South Sudan exhibition. The five-day expo is themed together promoting South Sudan business and industrial development. Vice President James Wani Iga, who is in charge of the country's economic cluster, says South Sudanese should not wait for a miracle to happen to correct the current economic difficulties, but instead be innovative and productive. The international business has gone to internet uh, and must go to internet. We must think internet even in the in South Sudan. You in your small factory or even in your small shop try to have uh, 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 internet uh, to facilitate your work. We call it digitalization. This is important. It makes things easier for you. You don't need to employ more people, and therefore it lessens the cost of carrying out uh, business. Within 24 hours, you can do a lot. Iga especially encourages citizens to venture into agriculture and produce food for themselves on the market instead of complaining about high prices. South Sudan can produce and trade on variety of products, such as gum arabic. It is like gold, my friend. It is like gold. And we have plenty of this in rank here. A lot of it. But now we are, it is the Sudan exporting it and calling it Sudan uh, Dam Arabic. No, it is South Sudan Dam Arabic. Titus Osodina, the United Nations Development Program, Deputy Resident Representative, says the UN fully supports such initiatives. UNDP believes trade plays a critical role in building peace. Therefore, inclusive development that facilitates producer market linkages makes great contribution. Connecting producers to processes and markets creates a network of businesses and generates more employment and livelihood opportunities. Adam Kubanja, 
Chairperson of the Association of South Sudan Manufacturers says the Made in South Sudan exhibition helps dispel certain preconceived notions about South Sudan to the outside world. South Sudan initially has been depicted as a volatile nation. South Sudan has been having a narrative as a nation which is full of hostility. But look at us today, we are sitting here showing the world South Sudan is a productive nation and we have a lot of commodities to showcase and change that narrative and notion that South Sudan is volatile. Kubanja appealed to the office of the vice president to schedule a meeting with local manufacturers and others in the private sector regarding the amount of taxes businesses are required to pay in the country. National ministers and diplomats from Sudan, Egypt, Turkey and the U.S. were among the dignitaries attending the opening day of the five-day expo in Juba. For VOA News, I am Juliana Shiapai. In Juba. Still on money matters, female business owners in Africa say they frequently face sexual harassment and discrimination when they try to cross the borders for business. The topic was discussed at a meeting called Gender is My Agenda ahead of this Saturday's African Union Summit in Addis Ababa. Mohamed Yusuf reports from VOA's news center in Nairobi. African women and girls are discussing the challenges they face trying to conduct cross-border business under the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement. The meeting in Addis Ababa is taking place ahead of the African Union Heads of the State Summit, which is set to begin on Saturday and at which the leaders are expected to discuss progress of the African Trade Agreement. Elizabeth Ajok, a South Sudanese national, says women often face problems at border crossing that men don't have to experience. We have seen that uh, in most of the time, the women at the borderline, especially from northern Barkazal where I come from, they are facing a lot of challenges like uh, violence at the border. They are being intimidated and even uh, some of the items sometimes have been confiscated or their goods have been taken because of the clearance, and they will also overcharge you because you are a woman. You will be taxed. Sometimes they just look at us and they see that you are just a woman, so you don't deserve to do uh, business. Zaitwa Milanzi says women encounter similar treatment when they cross the border from her native Malawi. You find yourself with fees, the required fees, your papers are in order, everything is in order, and yet you find some officer at the border asking asking you for sexual sexual things and you're thinking why it, it really hinders your progress and your ability to trade as a young woman so this really needs to be addressed if at all young women are to be considered and fully protected under this regime the african continental free trade agreement went into effect in may 2019 with the goal of lowering tariffs between african countries and boosting economies african countries trading among themselves the world bank says could boost africa's income by 450 billion dollars by 2035 Memory Kachambwa is the head of the African Women's Development and Communication Network. I think when we talk of uh, ACFTA, we we are looking at a pan-African instrument and within the vision of it is to ensure that 
even the trade that we do is dignified. You know, we talk a lot about uh, women cross-border traders, but are they doing it in a dignified way? Are we really ensuring that they have the service, the harassment with the customs union? Are we having those conversations? An organization that promotes women's development in the continent Even within their own countries, female entrepreneurs in Africa often face funding barriers, gender bias and a lack of training. Masi Chukwuma advocates and supports women farmers in Nigeria. She says some cultural norms have prevented women from owning land, making them unable to produce food. Lack of training and retraining of women, rural women farmers to enable them to stand up in the competitive markets. We talk about land as a factor. You agree with me that the women have limited access to land. We do not have access and control over the land. That's a major factor of production. If we who occupy about 70% of agricultural workforce do not have access and control over the land, how then do we produce and produce well? Women own 20% of Africa's land but produce more than two-thirds of the continent's food. The pre-summit meeting concludes on Tuesday. Participants hope their leaders will address the challenges of doing business in Africa and ending unfriendly business practices along African borders. Mohamed Yusuf for VA News, Nairobi. From Nairobi, we move back to Juba, where two diplomats are calling on the revitalized transitional government of national unity to allow journalists to work without fear of harassment, detention or violence. In a press release issued Monday, the ambassadors of U.S. and Norway say access to information and freedom of expression are key demands of South Sudanese before the country's independence. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Juba. The United States calls upon the revitalized transitional government of national unity to allow journalists to work without fear of harassment, detention, or violence. Journalists must be free and empowered to fulfill this essential function for South Sudan to become a strong and stable democracy. That's Colin Mashadel, acting public affairs officer at the U.S. Embassy in Juba, reading a statement yesterday by Ambassador Michael J. Adler, marking World Radio Day. Radio is the most widely consumed medium of communication, with nearly 93% of respondents reported having access to radio. According to a 2021 survey by the South Sudan National Audience Survey and Internews, media professionals say in a country like South Sudan, where Internet penetration is fairly low, radio is the most reliable source of information for the public. The U.S. has long supported independent media in South Sudan, particularly radio through its International Agency for Development, or USAID. Machado said USAID recently launched the Sustainable Independent Media Activity, a three-year, $12 million activity focused on improving South Sudanese citizen access to reliable information by promoting high-quality independent radio. This initiative will provide more than $3 million in grants to local media organizations and support efforts that combat hate speech, rumors, misinformation, and disinformation, which threaten peace and stability in South Sudan. Lincoln Neiman Berryman, Norway's ambassador to South Sudan, says only 8% of South Sudanese have access to electricity. 
She says access to information by a medium that does not require a lot of power is the only way to easily spread information. Radio plays a crucial part in the dissemination of information in this country. Therefore, the World Radio Day is of particular significance in this country. This year's theme is Radio and Peace, a fitting theme within the context of South Sudan, where radio has played and will continue to play an important part of any development towards peace. Berryman hurt the transitional government to ensure freedom oppressed and let journalists work without fear of obstruction or harassment. Radio as a medium would not work without journalists. Media freedom and the freedom for journalists to write, speak and investigate wherever they themselves deem important and interesting is a prerequisite for peace in any society. The diplomats say journalists must be free to fulfill this essential function in order for South Sudan to become a stable democracy. United Nations proclaimed February 13 World Radio Day in 2011, the same year South Sudan declared its independence. The theme for this year, Radio and Peace, focuses on the role of radio as an independent medium of peacemaking. Since independence in July 2011, freedom of expression has become severely restricted in South Sudan. According to the UN Commission on Human Rights, South Sudan is one of the most dangerous places in the world to be a journalist. In February 2021, Amnesty International released a report accusing the South Sudan National Security Service of using abusive surveillance to terrorize journalists, activists and government critics. For VOA News, I am Dengai Deng in Juba. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Coming up, some activists in Sudan say FGM is a big problem. Find out why after the break. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Lenore Moudou. During this pandemic, the World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control say if you have a fever, a cough, or have trouble breathing, you should stay home and contact a healthcare facility. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest health news. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. South Sudan in Focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in Focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. 
Regional and international leaders have intensified their efforts to help Sudanese parties reach a final political settlement to establish a civilian-led transitional government. Earlier this week, the chairperson of the African Union, Musa Faki, began a series of consultations with various Sudanese leaders to narrow the gap among different political groups. For VOA News, Michael Atit reports from Khartoum. The chairperson of the African Union Commission, Musa Feki, arrived in Khartoum Sunday to talk about how to reach a political settlement with Sudan's parties. On Monday, Feki met with Sudan de facto leader General Abdul Fattah al-Burhan and his deputy Muhammad Hamdan Dagolo in Khartoum, where he reiterated the African Union's commitment to peaceful political settlement in Sudan. Feki said he hoped all Sudanese parties would reach a consensus leading to stability and the formation of a civilian-led government that would pave the way to a democratic transition. He said he believes the Sudanese people are able to overcome the current political crisis. Faki's visit comes a few days after envoys from the United States, England, Norway, France, Germany, and a representative from the European Union wrapped up a two days of meeting with Sudanese leaders to support the framework political agreement. Last week, Russia's foreign minister Sergei Lavrov kicked off a tour to bolster Moscow economic ties in Africa that ended in Khartoum. The visit are being described by analysts as pressure on the Sudanese political forces to find an amicable solution to restore a civilian-led government. The African Union official met last night with representatives of the Sudanese Revolutionary Front, an umbrella of armed groups that signed the Juba Peace Agreement in October 2020. Speaking to reporters shortly after the meeting with Faki, Osama Said, a spokesperson for the Sudanese Revolutionary Front, assured the AU official his group is committed to implementing the Juba Peace Agreement. We discussed various issues, including the role of the African Union in the political process in Sudan in order to achieve the formation of a civilian-led government that would work to reinstate Sudan's membership with the African Union. The AU suspended Sudan's membership from the continental bloc shortly after Al-Burhan led the military coup in October 2021. The United Nations, the AU and IGAD have been mediating between political forces in Sudan with the aim of breaking the deadlock. Amjad Farid, the former political advisor to the United Nations Interim Transitional Assistance Mission in Sudan, or UNITAMS, downplayed the role of the African Union in resolving political disputes in Sudan. Farid says the role of the AU's mechanisms in resolving Sudan's political deadlock has been ineffective. These are political problems that need technical support, that need knowledge, that need experience, and that needs funding, and that needs a, a political, proper political mediation that's neutral and does not take sides. Calling the political problem of Africa African problems is a racist slogan that's used by the tyrants all over Africa to support each other. Farid, who served as the assistant chief of staff in the office of former Sudanese Prime Minister Abdullah Hamdok, says the AU needs to reform its structure to play a positive role in solving political problems on the continent. 
the African Union has even a bigger problem that it uh, it turned slowly during the previous uh, years to club of governments rather than union between the people of the African countries, and this uh, makes uh, its role in 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 bringing stability, peace, and democratization uh, to Africa very questionable. The trilateral mechanism is conducting a consultative workshop in Eastern Sudan in a bid to find an amicable solution for the way forward. Signatories to the Juba Peace Agreement also began a workshop in the South Sudan capital, Juba, on Monday to review the implementation of the agreement and to address challenges in implementing the peace deal. Michael Atid for VOA News, Khartoum. Still in Sudan, some women rights activists are expressing concern over what they say is an increase in the practice of female genital mutilation or FGM. The activists say practicing FGM is a crime in Sudan, adding that communities are still practicing this form of gender-based violence widely. For VOA News, Michael Atit reports from Khartoum again. Although Sudanese law criminalizes female genital mutilation, some communities still practice the gender-based violence and continue to marry off their daughters as young as 10 years old. Speaking to South Sudan in focus in Khartoum over the weekend, Nahed Jabrallah, executive director of the local NGO Sima Santa, says her office has documented dozens of FGM cases being carried out by families. The FGM and child marriage in Sudan are practices that violate the rights of child and their human rights. One in every three marriages in Sudan is a child marriage. And by law, the marriage age is still 10 years in accordance with Article 40 of the Personal Status Act. In 2020, the Sudanese transitional government abolished the controversial Public Order Act in effect under long-time President Omar al-Bashir that restricted how women dressed in public. Jabrallah says to make the matter worse, the October 2021 military coup interrupted efforts put by national and international partners to monitor and advocate for the full implementation of the new law that criminalizes the FGM and exacerbated the practice in Sudan. And she says a program aimed at beefing up law enforcement to curb the practice of FGM was suspended after the coup. The security, political and economic situation in Sudan has negatively affected the social life which also increases violations generally and in particular child marriage. We have a long way to go as child marriage is still widely practiced across the country. Suleyma Al-Khalifa, the head of GBV department at Sudan Social Department Ministry, confirms many communities still practice FGM despite a ban on the practice. Khalifa could not provide VOA with the specific figures but says many cases go undocumented because communities fear sharing information about practicing female genital mutilation due to social stigma. Training the reports numbers is not something that they actually used to do. It's everybody keep the report to themselves unless there's it's done by with the union, UN, um, 
agencies or organizations, then they have to publish it. But most of the reports remain in the drawers and nobody knows about it. Najat al-Assad, who heads the Protection Department at Sudan's National Council for Child Welfare, said her office is working with other institutions to ensure that all children are protected and their rights are respected. Al-Assad describes criminalizing FGM as a milestone. After one year of pressure on the authorities and after the success of the December's revolution in Sudan, we managed to enact a law that criminalizes the practice of FGM in Sudan. And this one is a huge milestone towards protecting the rights of girls. Last year, the Sudanese government amended Article 141 of the Personal Status Act to criminalize female genital mutilation, making it punishable by not less than three years' imprisonment. In Sudan, it is still legal families to marry off a girl as young as 10 years old. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit in Khartoum. Kenya's President William Ruto has ordered the deployment of the military to areas in the North Rift Valley. The orders come after deadly attacks and raids on people, schools and security agencies by bandits. In a press release on Monday, Kenya's Ministry of Interior termed the security situation in the region a national emergency. For VOA News, Moreno Jambo has the story. Tension remains high in Kenya's North Rift Valley region following daily banditry attacks that have since left families displaced. People killed, among them police officers, schools torched, and the closure of social amenities following the unrest. According to Kenya's Interior Ministry, the past six months, bandits and cattle rustlers in the region killed more than 100 civilians and 16 police officers. Speaking on Monday during a meeting with leaders from the troubled areas, Kenya's President William Ruto said that from today, Tuesday, all the people in the area with illegal firearms must surrender to the police as military operations begin immediately. And we will not leave that area until every illegal gun has been returned, until all children have gone to school, until we have stopped this menace because we cannot continue to lose lives our children cannot continue to be out of school we cannot continue to lose our security officers at the hands of a few bandits in the kenya gazette notice on tuesday the interior ministry gazetted the counties of trukana west pokot baringo elgeo marakwet laikipia and samburu as disturbed and dangerous areas however Former Rift Valley Regional Commissioner, now the Transoya Governor, George Natembea, told Kenya Citizen TV that most of the politicians in the disturbed areas are funding the bandits. He was addressing culprits, people who financed this thing were sitting in that meeting. But I can tell you, I know many of those guys who are there. They are now worried what's going to happen to their people. What are they going to tell their people when they say that elect me and I'm going to protect you, that your guns will not be taken? What are they going to tell them after three days? Those fellows are worried. Natembea says during his tenure in the region as a commissioner, his efforts to curb bandits and cattle rustlers were frustrated by political leaders. He says that most officers running 
running the operations have also been frustrated and in return some turned out to support the robbers by giving them their guns and bullets in exchange for food. For the three years I was answering to Valley. I spoke to His Excellency the President Uhuru Kenyatta more times than I spoke to my peers. So in that kind of circumstance how do you succeed? You don't have fuel, you don't have vehicles. The officers are completely demoralized. Someone just woke up one day and said officers in the operation area should not be paid house and allowance whatsoever. Hardship allowance, nothing. Natembea has revealed that banditry is a business to some politicians who use cut rustlers to steal cows and sell them in Nairobi. He says most of the bandits are well trained and equipped as some have had military training and understand the tactics used by the police in the operation. Bandits in the region have been given three days to surrender the illegal firearms to the government voluntarily in order to restore peace. In the last three days, seven people, among them four police officers, have been killed and the police vehicles torched by criminals. This is not the first time Kenya has carried out such an operation in the area and it has emerged that insiders sabotage the operations despite the deployment of military in the region. Reporting for viewers, I am Moreno Giambo in Sacramento, California. And that's all we prepared for you this Tuesday. We now leave you with Eddie Kenzo and the song, I Am Blessed. Listening to Eddie Kenzo and the song Blessed. I'm your host, John Tanza, on this live broadcast from Studio 14 here in Washington. Don't forget to visit voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this program, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.